Good evening, it's 8 minutes past 6 and I'm Jack O'Toole and this is Action Replay on DCU FM. You're very welcome to another edition of Action Replay, DCUFM's flagship sports show. I'm Jack O'Toole, and welcome to the night show where we'll be discussing the return of the Premier League, including Manchester United's matchup with Liverpool on Monday Night Football. We'll be looking forward to this weekend's Champions Cup rugby, and we'll also sit down with Leinster and Ireland prop Jack McGrath to discuss Leinster's hope in Europe this season, as well as his role as ambassador at Arupal's Tackle Your Feelings discussion. But first, here's the news and weather with Brian. Breaking news. Good afternoon, it's four o'clock. You're listening to Newswire. Latest sports. Good evening, it's six o'clock, and you're very welcome to Action Replay on DCUFM. The best arts. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Barometer. Keep up to date with all the shows and all the stories at DCUFM.com. Action Replay on DCUFM in association with JustEat.ie. You're very welcome back to Action Replay on DCUFM. As always, if you want to have your say on anything discussed on tonight's show, you can always tweet us at DCUFM Sport. Right, I'm now joined by Ian Brennan, Danny Quinn and Brian McGinn, as always, to discuss the return of the Premier League this week. I know they say they said the best for last, but we'll start with the biggest game of the week uh, right now. Manchester United versus Liverpool at Anfield on Monday Night Football. Big game for both sides, Ian, but who needs to win more here, United or Liverpool? Um, honestly, I honestly think United need to win more because they have the pressure. And like because of the squad that they have, you know, with the Pogba's and the Ibrahimovic's, you know, overall their squad is better than Liverpool. But mm-hmm. Liverpool are playing more as a team at the moment. So I don't say I I don't want to say it as a United fan, but I think Liverpool could win. But United do need to win more, definitely. They do. There's only three points separating them. But Danny, this season Liverpool last five games they've scored 16 goals in their last five outings. United have conceded just eight goals in seven games so far this season. This fin- United finally have, I think, the, the defensive partnership that a lot of fans have been hoping for. But Eric Bailly and Chris Smalling at centre back. Liverpool have been on a rampage scoring though. Do you think will they will they rip through United centre back pairing or and their their defence or will United? How do you think this will play out? See, it'd be an interesting one now. Under Herrera is going to be crucial, like just sitting in front of them too, because Liverpool don't play with an out and out centre forward. To use Firmino as the fa- as the false nine. Yes. And it'd be interesting to see if uh, Smalling or Bailly will have the like defensive intelligence to cope with that. I mean, it could Sadio Mane like cutting inside. And like just his pace is absolutely nightmarish for any defense. Uh, Firmino will make a lot of space, and it's I don't know. It's tough to see, but Mourinho always finds a way to like stop a rampant attack. Like you know, it just it brings me back to when Mourinho was at Chelsea, and like he combated uh, Louis Van Gaal using Maron Plaini uh, like a target man by playing Kartzuma in like the holding the field role. So it would not I'd, be, I'd expect Mourinho to find a way to like plug up like his defence and like stop that Liverpool attack well we've seen him stifle Liverpool attacks before Brian haven't we as, as we know with the when Liverpool's title running season in 2014 the, the two bus parked at Anfield oh definitely but uh, what I've seen is you know when they played Manchester City um, Mourinho tried to play Jesse Lingard to counteract against the attacking the attacking fullbacks that Man City had which I, I'm not really sure uh, Jesse Lingard was unfortunate in his debut he got injured against Swansea two or three years ago and it was out for most of the season and it was a hard start but what is Jose Mourinho's obsession with Jesse Lingard because he's not been playing well the last two or three games that he started yeah, he's, he's, he's got the work rate 
Like he will like it's like you said, like he played Lingard against City to combat the It didn't really work though, did it? No. It, no. He started off very well though. Like, you know, in pre season he was excellent. Yeah. Um, he had scored a phenomenal goal in the community shield against Leicester, like, you know, and started mm. off the season in good form. And then I think he took a bit of a knock and then Mourinho just like brought him back in, rushed him in a bit, like, in my opinion. Yeah, it was too soon. But like he seems to prefer the kind of hard working players like Mikatarian and Lingard started in the biggest game of the season against City instead of the more talented like uh, Matt and Martial like you know but like they don't offer the same work rate as the, the like the Lingard I think his defensive solidarity really appeals to Mourinho we'll, 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 we'll put touch briefly on that do you think Martial supersedes do you think he, uh, do you think he supplants Jesse Lingard in the start morning? I think he should yeah yeah, yeah. especially because Liverpool's at least the right Moreno we kind of know everything about Moreno we can't really defend that well but he's good at attacking Klein is still injured I believe for Liverpool so they're right back you know they don't really have a second a decent second choice right back who's good at attacking so I think James can, Milner well sure <laughs> yeah. might be playing left back as well to <laughs> yeah like that's Moreno true like. I think yeah I think we can get away with playing Martial on the left even if he doesn't track back all the time and mm. I think like Mingard plays better on the right anyway like you know so my ideal pairing would actually be like Lingard or Mkhitaryan on the right depending on the game and Martial on the left like no, I think Martial should not be moving from that yeah. left wing well Martial on the bench last last game but another guy on the bench is Wayne Rooney and look we can sit here and talk all day about Wayne Rooney I think as every other media organisation has done over the last uh, what, the last month last two months years it's years yeah, 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 yeah. This years. Is, it's not exactly a new topic is <laughs> yeah. it um, so look I'm not going to breach down that road but one thing I will say was Wayne Rooney United captain um, now on the bench Last game against Stoke, Chris Smalling was the captain. Do you think this is a temporary fix, or can you see Chris Smalling being, I suppose, a future United captain, and and I suppose not even a future United, but a long-term United option there? I can I can see him being United captain for many many years if he stays at the club because he's he's grown like whenever we bought him from Fulham like five years ago, Mm -hmm. he was he was young, he was raw, like he didn't really know what he was doing. He's grown into that role, and he's a great he's a leader now, and he's he's the first name he's the first name on the team sheet almost. Mm. Jose Mourinho uh, against I mean that's, that's and the Mourinho just, just brings a smile to, to your face over uh, to the Mourinho a resident uh, Mourinho analyst, analyst. Um, he said that the, the, the one all draw with Stoke was his, the best performance in his time as Man United's pretender you're someone that it was uh, you followed Mourinho quite closely over the last number of years is this Mourinho's spin or do you think he had some merit to his argument well it, they definitely played brilliant football uh, we were here two weeks ago um, dissecting that, that game and uh, <laughs> They were just very unlucky not to sc- score, you know, n- nearly ha- half a dozen. It just it was one of those days. But the result, he is trying to, um, you know, mask the result that, that it is at home to Stoke, who were near the bottom of the table, uh, who still are near the bottom of the table. And they're, they're trying to mask the result. And that's what he does. He's a deceptive manager. He, he covers... Um, he covers. He tries to cover up what the media are thinking and tries to put his own spin on things. Uh, we, we were learning today in class, I suppose. You know the way the sports journalist role and how they're being played. And I think Mourinho tries to play the media a lot more than other managers do. When we look at Liverpool this season, um, really great start, especially under Klopp. Um, and this was they had that one slip up against Burnley, but look absolutely devastating in the opener against Arsenal. I suppose with Liverpool and especially Liverpool fans, um, tortured Liverpool fans over the last few years. We've, we've they've seen a number of good stats, but they always see the wheels come off at some stage. Do you think now with I suppose the Europa League campaign coming up, do you think that the wheels will naturally start to fall off at some stage? Or do you think they can keep up this momentum? See, it depends on what Klopp tries to do with the Europa League. The Europa League, in my opinion, is a distraction. And if you take the Europa League seriously, you're throwing away your Premier League ambitions. Klopp 
on paper doesn't have the side to win a league. I mean, like at the back, they're they look too suspect again on paper, but they're playing some devastating attacking football. They've all bought into Klopp's philosophy, and Klopp has proven when uh, Borussia Dortmund like he can make stars out of like fellas that really, really shouldn't be stars. Like you know, Kevin Groschkeit is one example I can use when he was at Dortmund. Like he played literally everywhere for him. Like you know, his <laughs> career has gone nowhere since like Klopp left. And like Klopp seems to make the best out of players who like thoroughly invest into like his philosophy, and I think it won't be the players that will sustain title push. It'll be Jurgen Klopp. You're you're not sold on this Clavin and Joe Matip centre partnership centre back partnership. Well, Joe Matip is was 25 now. I say is like not thoroughly experienced. Like Schalke, they got rid of him for a reason. I suppose they like, had a know. bad season as well, and Di Matteo was there yeah. the two years yeah. ago. Mm. I mean, like, um, I don't, I don't see it. Like, you know, I mean, they, you don't, you don't see they're any leaders or no. like, you know, top yeah. defenders. They're there, goalkeepers like. weak enough. McLean is not the best defender. He's more of that that extra option going yeah, up forward. Yeah. And with Marine, Moreno, you know, and Miller's not a left back. He's not. He's that's no. just not what he is. He's a hard worker, and he's going to do what what you what you kind of want him to do. But he's not going to be anything magical. He's not. He's that's not James Miller. We know him. He's there's a Twitter for him yeah. called yeah. Boring <laughs> James Miller, and there's a reason for that. Like he's a six and a half out of ten every day. Like you know, he'll give you he'll give you like hard walking graph yeah. but that's like that on its own won't win a league like you know if you look at like even the Liverpool midfield like you know I see Emre Chan and Jordan Henderson like you know it doesn't scream none of that nothing in that Liverpool team screams we're going to win the championship like you know on paper they don't have the quality but Klopp he's like the it's remarkable to see what they've like what they're doing for him like you know mm. they're so scintillating and exciting going forward and they work so hard defensively as well like you know but Klopp could keep it going like he's proven he can do it but it's, it's be interesting to find out like no no one expected Leicester to go on to win last season yeah. well on that note of optimism we will uh, switch quickly to uh, <laughs> other games with Manchester City welcoming Everton to uh, to Goodison Park uh, Evan boss Ronald Coleman a previous uh, roommate of Pep Guardiola that so I hear um, from, our, from our Spanish expert yeah, as well. d- <laughs> <laughs> Guillaume Balaguer over here yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no that's uh, which is very funny because you know um, Pep Guardiola has learned from the best uh, Bar- that Barcelona team, and 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 then he's learned he's learned to cut out um, characters that he doesn't doesn't like. And you know, Joe Hart's gone to Torino now, and he's he's learned from um, Barcelona. That's th- that they have. Th- they always had these big characters, and that's who he learned from. And now the the apprentice meets his master. It's going to be it's going to be like a it's Ooh. Star Wars twist. Sorry, you know nice. all that, but uh, <laughs> um, it's going to be very interesting. Um, Everton. I'm really impressed with Everton now. They have that financial stability now, and they still have Bill Ken right there, who's still calling the shots and who loves the club. And they have the money, they have a fantastic manager, and they sold John Stones and got Ashley Williams at a profit. That is... Yeah. And Idrissi Gay as well. He looks oh, f- fantastic. They, they really look like the top four candidates, yeah. but now they have to go to Man City, and I don't think Everton have are traditionally um, very prolific at the Etihad. Well, I tell you what, Coleman has learned under uh, under Pep. He's learned the art of mental warfare. Because you mentioned you mentioned John Stones there. Stones has looked a lot more solid defensively this season, but hasn't stopped Coleman from going after him. He says he's looking to target City's John Stones. He wants to put a lot of pressure on him. We've seen Stones a lot of the times, especially last season. You know, especially when he gets the ball deep, deep in his own box. He tries to <laughs> yeah. dribble out. He yeah. tries to go past people. When it seems like booting the ball into Rosette would be a much better option, he's probably trying to playing probably guilty of overplaying and of, of playing too much football 
um, which is probably look never a bad thing, especially given some of the other centre backs in the Premier League. But um, do you think Everton will try and target him? And do you think Stones can be targeted? Because I think he's he's progressed a lot under Pep Guardiola this season. But do you still think he's he's opposed prone to the the odd error and being rattled defensively? Oh, definitely. He's still young. Like he's still relatively inexperienced and no kind of like progress whatever like I, I can see if Lukaku's on farm and if Stones just has like one off day that could be a disaster for City like it could be two three goals easy like that see that's the thing as well like physically Stones is not intimidating and he's played alongside Alexander Kolarov like you know two of them Lukaku would eat the two of them alive <laughs> like you know I mean like for long balls like Lukaku bait Stones for pace strength and up in the air like you know so mm. I mean, you have someone as powerfully built as Romelu Lukaku, he can be targeted. Mm. City were convincingly defeated by Tottenham in their last game prior to the international break. Do you think they'll bounce back, or was the Spurs was the Spurs defeat an anomaly, or do you think it was um, it was a, a one off, or is it was it a sign? Do you think? I I'm still not convinced that Guardiola Guardiola style of play will work works magnificently in Spain, would work magnificently in Germany. Probably would work very well in Italy as well, but I think the Premier League is just that much different. I don't. I'm not convinced it'll work full time in the Premier League. You're you're not convinced by six wins out of seven, no? They've had a good start. I'll I'll give them that. They've had a good start, but then again, Liverpool have had a decent start as well. Right. So. Well, like you look yeah, at the <laughs> slight dig at the old Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> but like look at some of the matches they've won. Like you know, United arguably deserved to win that. Like you know, Bravo should have been sent off. Like you know, Ibrahimovic should have got a hat trick. Like you know. They scraped the win out against uh, Sunderland, like you know. So they're just like, like six point or sorry, four points. They could have been dropped easily, like you know, mm. six points been dropped easily, like so. They have ground out wins, like you know. But also, I think Spurs were the kryptonite to City's like side of play, like you know. Spurs high intense pressing, like you know, when you're passing from the back, like you know. I know Guardiola prefers players are are comfortable on the ball, but midfielders are going to be more comfortable on the ball than defenders naturally, like you know. And Spurs pressing high up the field, just it's the kryptonite to that style of play. Like Manchester United used to do that against Swansea when Brendan Rodgers was there, and it proved to be so effective. Like that once, like uh, teams on that against Roberto Martinez is everything. Like you know, they got found out because they're limited. And I think that's like it's just style of play. If you want to play against City, that's how you play against them because it, it's proven to have worked. Marine, the battle at the bridge coming up on on uh, this weekend, the battle of two former champions, Chelsea and Leicester. <laughs> uh, big win for Chelsea in the League Cup. Leicester haven't really kind of struggled the last couple of seasons against Chelsea. Chelsea, of course, now with Nagolo Kante. How do you see this one going down on the weekend? Do you think it's it, it, how can you see Leicester beating Chelsea? Uh, with pace up front, uh, Kurt Zuma has been th- th- they're scheduled his earliest return is this game, but there has been no indication if he is fit. He is back training full full training, but. With an injury like that that he suffered at the start start of this calendar year, uh, you know you you gotta take you gotta take the baby steps because that's that's a that's an injury that that you know if you keep going at that that's that could be an early career-ending injury. Uh, his 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 knee, his knee was was completely in bits. It was a horrible injury against United. I I don't like watching it even looking back at it. But um, I see the pace. I see the pace in, and Musa and Vardy. And I see Slimani as a he looks tidy. He looks very very good. He's tw- yeah. twenty eight million the record signing. Um, the only thing is Leicester and Ranieri said today he doesn't know what the away form is about they've no points in their first three games they've conceded 10 they've only scored three uh, and you know uh, Chelsea's win against Hull wasn't their prettiest but they needed a desperate win and uh, I think with a few players coming back and Hazard scored and, and William, William will be out for, for the match on Saturday as well but you know I think Costa could prove too much um, I don't think it's going to be an easy win by any means but I 
I think we'll nick it. I think we'll nick it 2-1, just like we did against West Ham at the start of the year. Yeah, William out with a, uh, a passing in his family, so I think he's going back to Brazil to attempt that. But you mentioned baby steps for Kurt Zuma. How, how quickly was baby steps turn into, I suppose, giant Usain Bolt-type strides, given... <laughs> The performances of Gary Cahill and David Luiz at oh, times this that's, season. That's the thing, you know. And we still have John Terry to come back as well. He he had a bad injury against Swansea in the two-all draw. And it's it's funny. It's it's That's that's the, the catch-22. You play him and he gets injured. That's that's him. You know, he's gone for the, the rest of the season again, more than likely. And, you know, but if you don't play him, you've David Luiz, who actually hasn't seemed to be playing the worst. But Gary Cahill has just been absolutely found out. And he's been so disappointed himself. I I back him to react and come back from it but at the minute I don't trust him the way he's playing uh, I think he needs a time on the bench uh, yeah, and yes yes Danny yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you reckon like the change formation like with the played um, as well quite uh, as like a third centre back there with Alonso as like a wing back with the played three at the back now would that suit um, Zuma's game more because like he would have to take as much responsibility as in a back two I don't know if it'll suit Zuma's game more but I wouldn't like them to go in with a treat the back just yet unless things go south very very quickly like against Arsenal when you're 2-3-0 down I like um, Marcus Alonso on the left he offers more than Aspilicueta does on the left and I like Aspilicueta on the right because he's right legged you know yeah. uh, I think Chelsea's back line is better off that way and I Ivanovic on not starting is, is a big plus to that um, but style of play I'm not really sure uh, if Conte understands that a treat the back pro- probably won't work in the in, in a in England, so if only when he has to grab the 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 oh no handles, you know, uh, when 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 things are going b- crashing and burning, then he can use it. But not at the minute, no. Finally, Arsenal versus Swansea and Spurs versus West Brom. Is there any anyone here that doesn't see Arsenal and Spurs picking up all three points? Um, well, it is Arsenal, so you never really know. But <laughs> no, I, I'd I'd say they seem to stay, but they seem to find their shooting bits recently. So I think they sh- both both yeah both Arsenal and Spurs. What do you think in. of the Bob Bradley appointment at Swansea? I think it's decent. I think it's he'll he'll bring a he'll bring a different mentality to Swansea definitely, and he's he has experience as manager. Maybe not so much as club manager. I know he was he was manager of the the states back, but he's it'll be a challenge for him. But I think I can I can see him adapting to it really well. Swansea are a team I actually worry about at the present, like you know, because they have no firm identity since uh, Gary Monk left. I mean, like they brought in Guidoline, who was. Who's yeah, he like? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he like? Massive disrespect to <laughs> Like literally, like what is he like? He done nothing like there. Like you know, Swansea. They, you don't know where they're going. Like you know, Brendan Ro- or sorry, yeah, Brendan Rodgers was there. He implemented a phenomenal philosophy of passing football, and now they've gone. It, it was binned, like it's been yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah now they got like, Laurenti up front <laughs> yeah they've got Laurenti up front like you know Gary Monk was phenomenal he added Bonnie to that but like Bonnie can actually play a bit of ball like you know Laurenti he's a big man typical archetypical like British centre forward like you know a Spanish Andy Carroll if you will but like um, what what's done like you know Ashley Williams was like one of the stalwarts of the club they didn't go out and replace him or anyone like you know it's a, it's a club that you Unless this appointment of Bob Bradley works, you'd worry about them for relegation. We'll see. We'll have to wait and see, as usual, with the Premier League. But thanks very much, Danny. Thanks very much, Ian. And, of course, Breen at the end of the table. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. (laughs) As much as I tried to get rid of him, he's not going anywhere. (laughs) Thanks for that, guys. Up next, we'll be talking Champions Cup with Joseph McGorman. Back soon. Replay on DCUFM in association with JustEat.ie. Tweet us at DCUFM Sport or use the message box on DCUFM.com. 
and I'm joined today with the head and deputy head of DCUFM Sport, Jack O'Toole and Breen McGinn. How are you now, man? Oh, very good. Very, very good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, oh, thanks so much for having us on. Thanks for coming on. Now, this week will be a serious show to go along with the lighthearted start we had last week. We're going to examine the sporting revolutions, really, like, you know, how famous athletes have used, like, their power, fame and influence to, like, earn rights for like people like their own races and minorities like you know because this really goes like this ties in with Colin Kaepernick the uh, San Francisco 49ers quarterback who in the preseason despite the fact he's only second choice and hanging on to his job like his place in the roster by like a tread he like kneel at the national anthem in protest to police brutality and we're going to examine like his actions whether or not we think they're justified whether like it's the correct course of action to like actually get a change and we're going to examine other people that have actually tried to change and like other people who had the opportunity to make social change so men like Kaepernick has like he's created a rising almost like there's an awful lot of black players that are either kneeling down the anthem or like just raising the fist in the black power salute do you think he's taken a good course of action to make any kind of social change yeah, I think I think personally, I think it's a, it's a positive move, and I think what I like about it is that he it kind of started organically. He didn't he didn't come out on social media and kind of like really draw a lot of attention to himself. He wasn't jumping up and down on the sidelines. He was doing it since the very start of the preseason. And I think it only got he only got picked up at about week three. Mm-hmm. I think or three week three, yeah. yeah, week three of the preseason, and then it really kind of started to take its own life of its own. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think his reasons are just and as we've seen it, it, was, it was actually kind of sad that it was oh, I'm sorry I, I can't remember the guy's name but the guy that was shot down in Oklahoma in Tulsa it literally remember. about it was only about a week after two weeks after he uh, Kaepernick t- uh, took the stand and it, it kind of very much validated his point that America does have a spiraling problem with um with police brutality and particularly police brutality against a certain section of american society which is african-americans and it's just i suppose as an african-american he would feel that there's a duty and i i did like the fact that i suppose in a, a sports era that is increasingly dominated by uh, influence i wouldn't say dominant but influenced by corporate entities and also sponsorship and, and players having their own sponsorship arrangements he kind of threw all that to the side and said I've, my platform here as an athlete is bigger than you know what I can potentially get in endorsements, so I was yeah. really impressed by. Him. Yeah, I, like obviously you introduced the topic. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the st- stable starting quarterback at the Forty Nineers. He really uh, he had a lot, he had a lot to lose because his position wasn't cemented uh, at, at at his team where he was the starting quarterback for the past four, four three four, three yeah, yeah like three he or had four been years. benched last year for playing Gabbard, and Gabbard had started at the preseason as like number one quarterback. And the 49ers were actively trying to get rid of him as well. Yeah. I mean, like, he is, like, he's, ability-wise, he's the best quarterback on the team. And But, like, it just would cost the 49ers so much money if he was, to, let's say, even get injured. Like, you know, mm. he's recently, like, been implemented as a starting quarterback now because the other quarterback, Blaine Gabbard, was playing so poorly. And, like, he's actually, this is, he's got four years taken off his deal now. He's restructured his deal in order to gain a starting if, place. Yeah, his injury, his guaranteed earnings is That's cut. 14.7 million of injury guarantees gone. If he gets injured, game over. Normally, mm. like, you know, he's getting paid per play, like, you know. Mm. So his contract runs out at the end of this year. So he's going into NFL free agency. He's, like, he's guaranteed 12 million a year with 49ers with the deal he has. So he could have sat that out for four years. And, like, you know, he would only have been 31 or that, like, you know. 
very wealthy man with no mileage on the clock and an NFL team would pick him up because like this has blown over would have been blown over by then in four years time you'd mm. imagine yeah. but now it's a very unstable situation for himself because he's going into free agency next year depending on how well or badly he plays he might not get a team because like there's an awful lot of NFL front offices that decide he's worth he's too much baggage now to even like consider even if he was playing at his best so mm. like this is a major major step for him like you know this is it's unprecedented until unless he goes as far back as Muhammad Ali not yeah. going into the draft like you know so this yeah. is it's a big big personal step and what I like about it is it's harming nobody there's no, literally nobody getting harmed for it like he's been accused of being disrespectful for those in like uh, uh, the military service yeah because like he's not standing for the flag but I think it's a much more effective way I mean like there's uh, at the ESPN Sports Awards there was LeBron James Carmelo Anthony Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade they all stood up and made a speech about Black Lives Matter now they are four like, of the biggest like most popular athletes in America LeBron James is the biggest most famous athlete in America possibly if the not world. the world yeah. yeah so and like he made a speech like the four made a speech like the four most powerful men in basketball at the time made a speech about like how Black Lives Matter like went on with police brutality. He was picked up for the day after, and then just forgotten about. Like you know, as yeah. most speeches like yeah. that are. Mm. So that's why I think Kaepernick's stance is so effective because mm. like it's something that got noticed organically. Done it himself. Like he didn't make a big song and dance about it. Like you know, he done it himself, and it's been picked up and the message has been heard loud and clear and, and it is being he- heard loud and clear you know we were just talking I was like did you see Michael Fabiano's start of sit every week but no ESPN are putting up who stood up and who sat down for the national anthem every week oh yeah and and uh, there's a few comments underneath of people who don't agree with it saying oh the agenda of ESPN liberal agenda this that and the other but at least it's being put I out there liberal, you know like I think he's liberal conservative. I just think it's like it's being so Race, racially yeah, aware racial, yeah, of what's, exactly. what's going on. Yeah, there's and there's a lot of ignorant people out there. You'll get that in any part of the world. And but you know, every single week there's oh who 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 sat down this week? You know, it's it's nearly like tuning into um, a soap opera or something or an episode or something like oh who did that? And that just shows how big of this is this actually is. Um, I d- there's a few other things about Kaepernick that you know he also wore the socks with the pigs the yeah, wearing a garden which which is like. which is stupid and Kaepernick has come across as doing some stupid things in the past yeah. like this and he he's not he's not an angel by any and he's not like this comp- moral compass who is showing the way but he is highlighting something that is very very serious among his culture and culturally around America in his country that he plays a sport in I mean like this is such a big deal that like Donald Trump was asked about uh, in the presidential like in the debates he said his answer to this was uh, if Kaepernick doesn't want to stand up for a flag he can emigrate to a country that will appreciate him like of he appreciates him so like that's how like, it's gone presidential level like no that's how big this is yeah yeah but of, co- of course like yeah. Trump would just the, the the whole point of the protest would just completely <laughs> yeah. go over his head, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe Trump actually understands what he's talking about, but Trump just knows his demographic and his his voters so well. He knows exactly what they want to hear, and a lot of those people, uh, yeah, those people are in the boycott the NFL. You know, if he does this, I'm never watching a Niners game again. How dare he do this? But the thing I found that was really interesting was about the, the whole thing. As as a side note, I think firstly, I think you mentioned baggage. I don't know if I'd necessarily call it baggage with with Kaepernick I think when I when I hear baggage it's always someone like Mario Balotelli that brings in baggage you know what I mean it's 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 a personal head case I I'd, I'd think for NFL owners 
rightly, probably wrongly, um, Kaepernick's a distraction at this stage. And I think in sports, like what we've seen, especially in American sports so often, is that if you're a distraction, they'll just cut bait with you. And it can be something just as Tim Tebow that's a media distraction. Yeah. No no team probably wants to touch him because he just he, he brings this circus of reporters, this circus of media coverage, all the players getting asked about it. He, he's more the distraction far outweighs the talent. And sadly, what we've seen with um, is Jason Collins in the NBA. He came out as the first gay player in the yeah. NBA. He did it at 35. I think he was like 34. He's right towards the end of his career, but he got cut the very next season. You've seen it with uh, Michael Sam Sam in the NFL, another guy you know who who came in. I think he was like their Pac-12 defensive player of the year when he was coming into the NFL. He's easily drafted. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think before he he announced himself as gay, I think he was rated as a second, third rounder, and I think he fell as far as the fifth or sixth, and then was sixth round, and then was ultimately cut. So I think in these situations, anytime there's a distraction, and if it's only one player, because you got to consider in the NFL, there's 53-man rosters. So they got it. Now, if it was someone like Cam Newton that came out and did this, if it was something like, um, you know, if Odell Beckham came out as gay, would they drop them? I don't, I don't know. I can't. See, it's it, it really is. Unfortunately, today. it is a lot about talent. And it's the same with what Breen was saying about, you know, athletes being a moral compass. You could have someone from Harvard as a keynote speaker, as a professor of sociology. And if they come out and do it, I'd say, say they're playing the National Anthem at Harvard, it's not going to get, it's not going to get anywhere near as much coverage. If mm-hmm. it's Sunday football prime yeah. time and the, the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49s are going to do it, it's going to raise a whole, a whole heap more of awareness. But as you were saying, it doesn't really hurt anyone because look at the 49ers they weren't going to have a good year uh, Chip Kelly coming in I don't think is an NFL is an NFL head coach I, 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 what he did and getting wrong getting rid of LaShawn McCoy over to, to Buffalo just he did some very there was actually a rant about uh, from an Eagles fan after game 3 or 4 and they got hockeyed by uh, I think it's the Redskins uh, Chip Kelly and you know they weren't going anywhere and they're having it they have a terrible record now at the minute but you know it's it, but that's what it doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't hurt the 49ers too much. There was the talk of uh, police officers and that boycotting the game and stuff like that. I don't think that formulated, but he he's he's done his point, and and I think history will be kind to him, even though as I said, he's not the best of characters. We say uh, baggage, no baggage, whatever you want to say. But he's made his point, and twenty thirty years from now, people are going to look back and say this is the Kaepernick movement. There's going to be a, a title mm, such as that. It's it's going to be terrific. Hopefully, hopefully because. You just never know what will happen. Action replay on DCUFM in association with JustEat.ie. You're very welcome back. That was At My Heels by Twin Shadow. And um, right now we're going to have Jack McGrath on the line. I was at a, a Irupa event last night with Jack where he spoke openly and very candidly about the death of his brother um, in 2010. His brother passed through suicide. So Jack's been very open about that. Um, something that he kept on his chest for a long time and, and really kind of bottled up for a while so to see him speak so openly candidly honestly about it and be very I suppose accountable and emotional um, and in, in touch with his feelings and, and in touch with how his, his own mental state is being and his own mental welfare is was very inspiring and it definitely inspired a lot of people last night so Jack's hoping that he can inspire a lot of people through this campaign so it's a great campaign if you can get time to visit it on www.tackleyourfeelings.com it's well worth it a number of key speakers there uh, Jake Hannon, Shane, Shane Jennings Hannah Tyrell from Irish Women's Rugby really worth checking out so I hope you enjoyed this interview with Jack yeah, the weekend, not bumps and bruises, no? No, no, all good. Good. All good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Getting back into it nicely. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah and so then the uh, the international thing coming up. 
as well and uh, obviously the big game this weekend yeah well we're not looking past that realistically yeah, yeah, um, yeah. always in the back of your mind um, internationals but we never look too far forward yeah excited though after I've given last season the Champions Cup I'm sure it's a it's an area yeah, that you really want to make amends in yeah absolutely uh, like hugely disappointing um, yeah. Champions Cup campaign for us last year and I think for us to get back to where we want to be we need to we need a win this weekend and um Guys have to step up. Quality players have to step up, and as as we didn't last year in Europe, I think our our league campaign went well. Mm. But um, we and I think we played probably when we got the young guys out against Bath for the second last game of the the league. Uh, yeah. the, the campaign played well, and then the following week we played Wasps and got absolutely hosed. So yeah. there's a lot of um, still. Guys hurting after that, and yeah. I think this weekend um, is coming at a right time. But we know we have to step up another level. Um, Guinness, Guinness is the Guinness League is um, is is different. We need to step up in, in um, intensity and quality. Sure, sure. Um, I'll, I'll talk about the rugby a bit later, but just on this tackle your feelings campaign. When did they first? Did Arupa come to you about it or approach you about, it or did you um, did you head here about it? It was um, it was put out on a text and email that it was coming about yeah. and I spoke to Crada who's um, who's running it I just said I'd meet her for, for a coffee and, and told her my story and said I'd, I'd like to be involved and uh, I thought it would be um, important to get involved and then when I um, kind of thought about it a bit more I, I, I went to my family and I, I wasn't sure I was like oh, I don't know if I, I'm comfortable putting myself out in the, yeah. in the open too much then I spoke to my family, and uh, they were um, hugely um, say like they were really positive in saying go for it, go for it. Yeah. And I was still a bit um, unsure. And then I gave myself another little time talking to my girlfriend, and, and I, I I suppose um, chose to do it. And sometimes you don't realise how how many people can listen to you when you are when you are a player so like I see myself as an old bloke I don't see myself as, yeah, yeah. as an Irish or a Leinster player so it was um, yeah it was it was refreshing the feedback it got as well it was it was really really positive and yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad I did it now because it's, it's definitely changed me as a person I'm, I'm more open with my feelings and, and um, I think I've helped people and I hope I've helped more than I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, just that, that concept, you know, because there's going to be a lot of young lads coming in here, and I suppose there is that concept, you know, when you're an Irish rugby player or Leinster and you're you're pulling on the jersey, there's this kind of like Superman kind of perception sometimes mm. where you obviously view yourself as a normal bloke. You, you, you want to seem to come across as a normal bloke, yeah. and that you probably go through, you know, everyday normal problems like everyone else, and it's probably that's probably an important thing to get across for, you know, especially young lads that are coming through. Um, get that message across that you know this is it's okay to probably yeah. feel the way you feel. Like we're all humans and like we all have bad days and it's like give it a, a fair enough. I'm a rugby player, but like I'm still human. Yeah. And a lot of other guys are the same, and everyone goes through hard times, and it's okay to talk about your feelings because it's if anything, it's going to make you a better player. Yeah. And that's what I found opening up, and and just saying how you feel has, has made me because when you're down and you hold it in and, and it is, I say it in the video like it's when you talk to somebody it is like a gas valve releasing and that's yeah. 100% that as soon as I'm feeling bad and I say something that I want to say I, I feel this 
like relief right kind of coming out of my chest mm. like that like it's nearly like a pressure in you to talk so for me like the hardest thing was to to open up and yeah i'm glad i've done it yeah um because at the time what happened with your brother it's very tragic sorry for his passing um but at the time you were quite young when you're coming through that Leinster camp. Yeah, do you yeah. think that had it was something to do with your age? Maybe you like it's obviously a very tragic thing. I don't think anyone knows how to deal with it until unless it happened to mm. them. But do you think your age had anything to do with it? Given that you were so young and you were kind of really just that I didn't that I just put my head. You were just head, your head was in the door yeah, basically, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, like I remember when it happened. It was uh, Leinster. I was in the academy. It was my last day of the academy. Um, I was moving on to a development contract the next season, but Leinster were playing Ospreys in the um, the final of the league. Yes. And I, he it happened on the Friday. The game was on the Saturday, and Leinster lost. I just I remember watching it on the TV like it was so you a bad were, weekend. All yeah, along, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. But um, <laughs> <laughs> say the least. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But um, like when for me it was something that I thought, okay, you have to be strong for your family like of course you're not going to go around ranting and raving about it and that was this that was nearly my driver he was my driver for a lot of my success i, mm. I, I believe anyway like do it you've seen the video do it for him do it yeah. for him so um yeah. it was uh, it was just it, and then eventually it got to a point where like five years on where it was starting to affect me a little bit more and yeah. I just kind of got to a point that it had to be spoken about yeah and um, so you'd only really spoken to people in your family about it really ah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then when I showed the video um, like I'd say 90% of the lads didn't know what had happened right yeah my close mates that I was in the academy with oh right that, yeah, okay. yeah that would have known because we were due to meet up and that night for like an end of season kind of academy party and I didn't turn up and the lads were ringing me like the guys who were in the academy yeah. and then I obviously told them but it wouldn't have been something that like they would have been broadcasting around but yeah, yeah. like some lads knew some lads a lot of lads didn't <coughs> and um, when I released the video Everyone knew, I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm assuming you got a lot of positive form, like feedback from the public, but I'm assuming all your teammates as well, because I just even noticed watching that Leinster Munster game there in the weekend. After the game, you know, you're all huddled up. Jamie's given his his kind of post match breakdown, and uh, there's a camera trying to get in. Someone I can't remember who it was, but his leg kind of kicked out with the camera, mm. and he seems like he's that kind of to me. It was just like, all right, he's not getting a photo anyway. Yeah. But uh, it seemed like he's a very tight knit group. You know what I mean? So it seems yeah. that you would probably get a lot of positive feedback. Um, I think with so, the video yeah. and, and telling yeah. them yeah one thing definitely I was out for dinner the next day when it happened and a random fella came up to me in the restaurant and said yeah. thanks very much for that it was so powerful and like I got a lot of messages on Facebook a lot of messages on Twitter and text messages and phone calls saying how powerful it was and like that just made me feel so much better for doing it and it's it's helped a lot of people yeah and I think I don't know but from you looking in and seeing that, maybe it has made the the group a little bit stronger because I def it, it, it's it's probably something that when you open up that much to a group, you're like that's as it's I was saying to the boys there, like they're my second family. So when you open up and you're telling your deepest darkest secrets to people, yeah. like that's you trust them. Of course. And, and if you trust them to tell them that, 
it's going to transfer transfer onto the field. So, yeah, maybe unknowingly, yeah. um, to us all, we've just got that little bit tighter. But um, yeah, it's 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 a good place to be anyway at the moment. It feels yeah. really good. It does feel tight. Yeah, absolutely. No, it does. It's, it it definitely seems like that. That. But I'm going to have to ask you a couple of questions about rugby because it'll kill me if I don't. No problem. Um, this season, uh, the, the amount of depth that's even coming through, just even in, in, in your position, mm -hmm. I looked at just on both sets, on tight hand and loose head, mm -hmm. for guys like Peter Dooley not even to be involved, it just shows the tremendous level of depth that's in there. Yeah. Um, what's it like being in, in Leinster Rugby at the moment? It seems like one of the most competitive clubs, probably not only in Ireland, but in, in Europe. Yeah, it's, it's mad. It's, um, it's a special place to be. I don't think there's any club in the world like it. And even talking to uh, the new scrum half, Jameson, yes. he was saying, like, there's n he's never experienced anything like that right. in New Zealand and he would have played a lot of the teams and obviously known what like how what the ins and outs of of those teams and and playing on, on the Hurricanes himself. Yeah. So like there's not a lot of teams that like eighty percent, ninety percent of the the team are from the one the one yeah, country and yeah, the one area basically, yeah, exactly, one province. Exactly. So it's uh, it's pretty special to have that, um, and like the quality of the players are coming through is phenomenal. And guys coming out of school like they're just absolute units, yeah. And they're just they're ready to go coming out yeah. of school. Where in time gone by, it wasn't the, that wasn't the case. And for a successful team, there has to be huge competition. And I think in Leinster, there's huge competition, and um, long may it continue because. The more competition there is, the better we'll get. Does that push you, like lads like you, that would have been coming through at the academy at one stage, and you're trying to, you've seen the guys in the first 15, you're trying to take them down, and then all of a sudden, once you kind of get there and establish yourself, you're now looking at guys like Doody, James Tracy, Ross Maloney, Van de Fleer, Ring Rose, there's all, there's just all these guys yeah, it's, coming it's, through. Like, I'm yeah, sure it's, it's always, not only you're looking ahead to a certain stage, but you must be looking over your shoulder as well. Absolutely, yeah. Like, you're, for me, there's Andrew Porter there, and Keane, and, yeah. and Dooley. Like, it's, those three guys are quality players, and for me, I don't try and concentrate on on how they're playing too much. I just try try and concentrate my own game because, like, once you take your eye off the ball, you're 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 missing a step, and yeah. they're gonna take you over. So that's that's the way I do it. So yeah. I, I try not get too stressed on what other people are doing because that's that's not how I best can perform. Of course. Of course, um, and just finally, just uh, last season, you know, obviously we talked about the Champions Cup there, the Pro 12 final, um, that must have probably stung, obviously, in the, in the way it happened. I'm assuming with Leinster, that's obviously a big club, it's, it's very much probably get back into that rocket stage of Europe and get right back to that Pro 12 final, I'm guessing is the goal. Yeah, exactly, and, and get back on the horse, and, and it starts this weekend with Cast, and um, we're not looking past them because yeah. we know how dangerous they are, they're a different team to what they were few years ago when we played them um, they're much better coached and, and they've a really really strong squad now so yeah. for us it's just to go up another level yeah yeah and just finally um, Stuart coming in uh, what kind of difference has he made fantastic yeah, yeah. like he's, he's shown massive experience there to obviously Leo and, and Gerv and John Fogarty um, they're quality coaches but they're just not they've two years experience yeah so like he, he's coached at the highest level and he's a he's a quality coach, and I think since he's come in, um, you can probably see it on the pitch. But he, we just have a little bit more confidence, and, yeah. and it's it's great. It's great to have him because he's uh, they all co all of the the coaches that we have are complementing each other perfectly. So 
um, it's the confidence is up, but we know we need to uh, have our head screwed on for this weekend because it's a huge one. Absolutely, Jack. Pleasure. Thanks, Jack. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks very no much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Best of luck Good up man. there. Action replay on DCUFM in association with JustEat.ie. You're very welcome back to Action Replay on DCUFM. As always, if you want to have your say on anything discussed in tonight's show, you can always tweet us at DCUFM Sport. We kick off tonight's show with the very sad news of Anthony Foley's passing. Shannon Munster and Ireland lost a legend of rugby on Sunday morning when Munster head coach Anthony Foley is pronounced dead at the Munster Team Hotel in Paris. Munster were due to play Racing Metro at the Stade UV de Mornor in, Cl- in Cologne, but the match was cancelled when news broke at lunchtime on Sunday that Foley had passed. He was just 42 years old at the time of his death and was taken from us way, way too soon. He is survived by his wife, Olive, and their two sons, Dan and Tony. Brian, I'll start with you. There was not too many Munster players that were proud to pull on the red jersey more than Anthony Foley, was there? Well, I was just thinking there, Jack, that, uh, you know, if you think of Derek Jeter at the Yankees, Kobe Bryant uh, at the Lakers, you think Gerrard at Liverpool, you know, Anthony Foley was that, that player at Munster. He was all Munster, it was his city Thoman Park was in in Limerick and his father, you know, he grew up watching his father beat the All Blacks, you know, so you can't get more Munster than Anthony Foley and and that's why everyone's so sad because it's it's like a part of Munster, a part of their limb just fell off because that's when you you think of Munster especially in the the years where they won the two uh, um, Heineken Cups and midway through um, the last decade he was such an integral part of that and you know you speak of leaders like uh, you know Paul O'Connell and Donald Callan um, uh, you think of Ronan O'Gara you know you also t- you, you can't the first person that actually comes on your mind during that time period is Anthony Foley and it's it's tragic that's that's what that's all it is and I can't I can't begin to think what the, his family are going through he was not only a proud Munster player though but he was very much just a proud Munster person and a proud Irishman at heart and he, he played a whole heap of sports did a lot of stuff for the community what was the people just uh, apart from Anthony Foley the rugby player what was the Munster reaction towards Anthony Foley the human? Oh well I think it's you know he's not he actually is just a guy and that's what a lot of the Munster players are when you go into Paul O'Connor and, and all these people they're just guys you know they're, there's no ego about them just because they play from they're, they're representing this proud proud rugby province uh, in, 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 the, in the southwest Ireland and uh, people used to give him a call see if he come down to a function you know an anniversary of a rugby club but I know personally um, he did, He came to one of our neighbouring uh, rugby clubs in uh, Waterpark one time, and uh, um, I was uh, unfortunately I couldn't make it. And I'm, I'm really now with this news, it kind of, you know, hammers up to help down home. You know, he's he's gone now. But yeah, you know, just all those lads never thought they were bigger than anybody else. They're just normal people who are playing for for Munster, and that's why he was so, especially him, why he's so he's going to be so dearly missed because he's just one one of these guys who loves his club just like me and anyone else apart from that part of the world. He wasn't a man of many words, though, was he? He was always quite softly spoken, and when he did have something to say, it was usually meaningful and impactful. He always had, apparently, a wicked dry sense of humour. Oh, it's, you know, when he lifted that first... Uh, when, he lifted, when he lifted that first Heineken Cup uh, in the Millennium, uh, it was nearly awkward how he lifted it. You know, it was, it was like he was embarrassed with all the, the... You know, all the cameras pointing on him. He's finally did it. When most players were going absolutely nuts for... Munster's first win, but that's he, he, you know you even seen in his press conferences re- in recent years you know he he is a quiet man he, you're not going to get these absolutely outrageous statements from him he's but you could tell 
how, as we were talking about earlier, he loved this club. Every word that he spoke about, especially when, when Munster lost, it, it hurt him severely, just like it hurt everyone else. Because I suppose he knew he was letting, he, 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 like, not that everyone was let down because of Munster's performance. But I tell you one thing, he, he was hurting more than these people that were giving out, all these fans that were making these protests at the games last year, at the home games. You know, he, he was the one that was hurting most. It's very interesting to hear a number of people talk about him, and and, and particularly I thought that um, with, with Tyrone Howe and, and particularly Eddie O'Sullivan yesterday and, and Les Kiss even just talking about his rugby brain and just like he his his hunger for the game. And I think as a coach, he often got you know I think a lot of people thought he was trusting too early that maybe he got the job off the back of being you know such a great player and a monster captain and someone that really was true and true monster, but not necessarily you know the most intelligent maybe not the most necessary rugby intelligent coach, but the story very much went against that narrative and that everyone just raved about how obsessed he was at rugby how obsessed he was with the sport how you know he, he was one of the great minds and and how he, he very much he often overcame maybe what he lacked physically in terms of athleticism with just his absolute feel for the game and, and his knowledge and his thirst for it well that's exactly what he is you know um what you see is not what you got personally with a with um with Anthony Foley, Stuart Barnes actually gave a, a great tribute to him, and, and Stuart Barnes doesn't get emotional about many Irish things. Let's let's be brutally honest. Hey, he does not. But he was he was shook. He was completely shaken, and he used that same word, the intelligence of the man. I don't think anyone doubted that Anthony Foley would eventually get get things right down in Munster, and I it's just but now that this has happened, it's just it's I I I'm finding it hard to talk because it's. He's such a, an immense figure in the province that now he's now he's gone and I, I don't even know what's what to what to look forward or look back and what is life like. It's just how it happened. It's so tragic. Right before one of the, the flagship games of a, of a monster on the monster calendar, the one you look back, oh, it's, it can't get any it can't get anywhere. It's very sad. Very sad news. An outstanding player, leader, and man, and, and and father as well of two kids. We'll leave you now with a poignant tribute of Anthony Foley, featuring the thoughts and words from a range of Foley's former teammates, colleagues, and friends. Rest in peace, Anthony. I think you should go first, your order. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Anthony with me. Um, what you see is what you get. I think he's probably the one, one of the most honest and decent people or person, sorry, that I've ever ever met. Back for Stringer down the short side this time. Flannery, Foley, Anthony Foley, little kick ahead. As I used to describe him as being bitter, if he was bitter about anything, it made him want to prove them wrong. And he, he did that all the time. He's unbelievably loyal. Um, and he is the smartest rugby player I ever played with. Here's O'Gara, quick chip through. Foley is there and O'Gara's there and Foley, Foley, Foley! What a wonderful attack and O'Gara was at the heart of it and Foley was at the finish of it. Foley scores his fourth try for Ireland. A leader. Anthony Foley, a leader. Five metres away. Munster on a huge surge here. And he hit in the corner. Well, he's given it. He's given it. Team player, that the team player that every Munster man should aspire to be. 
the Saracens offside as they try to clear their line. It's a barging run from Anthony Foley up to the line, over the line, and the try is given. I think that Anthony Foley is, is the epitome of all uh, that is good about rugby. That's the last time I let you go first, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Anthony's honesty, his loyalty, and I think it's, uh, it's his rugby knowledge, really, isn't it? The way he can, when all around him is going mad, he can stay calm and work out the situation. Absolutely. That's one right. of his biggest attributes. I just think he's got such a, such a fantastic rugby brain. Is, look at this, 200 miles an hour, what a dive! It's very hard to uh, find words. Forgetting rugby, what, what I remember about Anthony is sort of twinkling eyes and smile and great, great sense of fun. He'd get the giggles and everybody would, would just giggle with him. He was a, he was a big, big man, not a, not a sort of a, a, a big man that's, that's created in a gym. He was just a genuinely a big guy and he had, he was big in every way. He had a big personality. He had a big sense of humor. He was generous to a fault. And he was one of the one of the heartbeats of everything that's good about Munster rugby in Ireland, the four provinces, we try and beat the living daylights out of each other when it comes to on the pitch. But it's a big family, and certainly uh, Anthony, his father, was part of the 1978 Munster team that beat the All Blacks. He with his dad, Brenton, Anthony. They they are. They're monster royalty as a family. They're one of the greatest families you'll ever come across. Yeah, well, it's hard to take something like that in, to tell you the truth. And um, I think he's 42. Uh, a, a wonderful man. He was a great coach. He, he stood for something, particularly that monster family. Uh, represented Ireland in a way that was uncompromising. And, uh, you know, I, I just think we've lost a very good man. And uh, our thoughts here at Ulster and myself personally go to him, his family uh, and everyone at Munster. Sad, sad loss today. No matter what he did, he always he always came back to his Munster roots, didn't he? He certainly did and um, you know, he was a man of conviction when he had something that he believed in. He he stood by it and, and one of those things was the principles of the game that he loved and um, he kept pushing, you know, the, the, the mauling game, the, the, the breakdown game and, and when you sat with him over a beer and talked about that, his eyes would light up. But, um, um, it'll be sad to not have those discussions with Axel anymore and, um, and his eyes lit up even more when he spoke about his family and um, you know it's yeah, my thoughts go out to, to his family. It was always a joy to be around. Um, I, I, I roomed with him in the 95 World Cup uh, when we were both just young young books coming into the Irish scene and uh, you know he, he was um, it, it was always a great company and uh, you know also what he what he's gone on to achieve uh, his loyalty not just to, to, to Munster but also to his club Shannon uh, who were an integral part of of Irish rugby going forward back in the All Ireland League days 
And even as, as a young player, I remember I was two years ahead of him in school in Limerick in, in a, a rival crescent, but him, and all the talk from coming through from young, uh, from St. Munchens, and just to, to think that his, his, death, his, uh, his life has ended at this stage is just is quite shocking.